you down in your soul tonight. How can I forget? How can I forget what you've done for me? I'll pay for Never fail me yet. Never fail me yet. Y'all hear me sing one time. Come on. How can I forget? How can I forget? How can I forget? just cool lyrics to a funky song but how many of you know that's the word of the Lord one writer said bless the Lord oh my soul and all that's within me you know we've been accused before of our worship just being emotionalism but my worship uh, didn't start in my emotion uh, it started in my will I will uh, the Lord at all times. And the writer said, Woo! he said, bless the Lord, oh my soul. He's commanding himself and all that's within me. My tired feet, you gonna bless the Lord tonight, baby. My sore back, uh, you gonna give him some praise tonight, baby. My weary mind, you gonna give him some praise tonight, baby. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. That's not even the good part of this, the verse. Then he says this, bless the Lord, oh my soul. And forget not all of his benefits. Uh, my God, when I start thinking uh, of all of the benefits uh, of living for God, uh, I no longer live under fear, uh, but I live with peace. I no longer live with terror, uh, but I've got a mind full of power uh, and a to wake up on a hangover in the morning uh, cause I got the Holy Ghost uh, come on there are benefits uh, to living for God uh, bless the Lord uh, oh my soul uh, and forget not uh, y'all have me singing how can I how can I forget how can I forget come on, 
before we take our seats, uh, somebody ought to praise him according to his excellent greatness. Somebody ought to praise him for his mighty act. Them old timers didn't know these kind of songs. So they would just start singing some other old songs. When I think about Jesus, what is done for me? When I think about Jesus, how he set me free. I can dance. When I think about Jesus, what is done for you? When I think about Jesus, how he brought you through, I can dance. Y'all ain't ready tonight. Y'all want to praise him for a minute tonight? One, two, one, two. When I think about Jesus, what is done for me? Think about Jesus, how it saves them in breathe. seven-day fast can we just shout for five minutes somebody put your hands together give God a great praise oh don't you thank God you belong to a church that's got the fire of the Holy Ghost tonight Woo! you can be seated tonight I ain't gonna mess with you hallelujah amen I want to take just a moment to say on this Tuesday night what a privilege it is to have all of our guests in the house of the Lord with us. Rock Church, would you help me put your hands together one more time? Come on, I know we can do a little bit better than that. I need everybody's hand clap to help me make some noise for all of our guests that are here with us. We're so privileged to have you here in the house of the Lord. We have a guest with us tonight that's been here now for a few weeks, and uh, it has just continued to slip my mind to recognize them but we have been so honored and privileged to have Sister Yolin with us all the way from Port-au-Prince, Haiti. Yeah, come on, give it up for Sister Yolin. Y'all, she's part of L'Eglise Washla. She comes all the way from the Rock Church in Port-au-Prince, Haiti. Hallelujah. Les Jésus de oui. I can't hear nobody. Let Jésus dit oui. Personne pas cadino. Hallelujah. We're so glad she's with us. Sac passé. Hey, hallelujah. And uh, we want to thank God for her tonight. Also, so 
wonderful to see Brother Seth Parker and Sister Shea Parker walk into the house of the Lord tonight all the way from Calvary Apostolic Church in Bradenton, Florida. Amen. And then they got Papa and Meemaw tagging along with them tonight. So good to see the senior brother and sister Parker in the house of the Lord. Would you help me put your hands together and welcome them. They're just part of the family, of course. And uh, we're so grateful that they're in the house of the Lord. And then a uh, very, very special announcement tonight, uh, just a few weeks ago. The, the Stewart family was with us all the way from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. But they're here tonight as brand new residents of Fort Myers, Florida. And brand new members of the Rock Church of Fort Myers. Would you help me give them a standing ovation and a great big welcome home, hallelujah, tonight. Come on, let's thank God for the Parker family tonight. Yeah! Amen. And the last time they were here, they were by themselves. But of course, tonight they have brought with them home uh, Sister Skyler and Brother Mason Stewart. Let's welcome them here for the first time, but they are home tonight. Amen. This is, this is a, a premier family of God. This is a great, great man of God with a tremendous anointing. Of course, he ministered so powerfully to this house last time they were here, he and his wife, uh, just very, very gifted, called people of God, and uh, two beautiful, beautiful children, Sister Skyler and Brother Mason. She is 10 years old, and she's not ready to get married yet to all you young men. I'm just warning everybody, she's still, still got a lot of life to live before that point. And, and uh, my man, Brother Mason, I don't think he's looking for a wife yet either, but he sure looks as fine as frog hair tonight in that tuxedo suit and a bow tie. And uh, we're just, we're grateful to have them home tonight and make them welcome. And uh, we know that God has great, great things for them. Amen. How many of you all have just been enjoying what God is already doing in this prayer and fasting revival this week? We started seven days of prayer and fasting on Sunday. And I'm just going to tell you, God began to honor what we were doing starting Sunday. Sunday morning. The Holy Ghost showed up in such a powerful way in this house. The altars were filled, and when the Lord was through, three more people were baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost. And then as an added bonus, God just kind of blew a little bit of wind all the way from Huntington, Indiana. Brother and Sister Fishburn were with us on Sunday. And I'm going to tell you something. God used Pastor Fishburn in a divine way on Sunday night. How many of you were here and just absolutely blessed by the word that God sent through this man's ministry to this house? And uh, I've been feasting on what God has been doing. And then last night, I want to say a great big thank you to everybody who was faithful to this house for prayer last night at 7 o'clock. And there was such a sweet, sweet touch of the Holy Ghost in this house last night. And uh, we're going to continue to pray this week. I do want to make one brief announcement. Tell your neighbor, 
a change is coming this week. Originally, we had planned on being here every night at 7 o'clock to pray this week. But due to the logistics of some of our uh, maintenance projects and things in preparation for impact, we are going to be doing some painting uh, on these floors in this sanctuary and, and some other parts over the next couple of days and start beginning tonight after church. And so we will not be able to have anybody in the sanctuary uh, tomorrow night nor Thursday night. And so we are asking everybody to continue this chain of prayer, but just turn your home into a prayer room the next two nights. How many of you will just lift your hands and commit to taking some time the next two evenings in your home? Come on, raise your hands and make a commitment to God. So at some point in time, it doesn't have to be 7 o'clock, but in the next two evenings, if you will take some time, gather your family together in your home to continue specifically praying together uh, in this prayer and fasting revival. And then we will resume prayer Friday evening at 7 p.m. right here in the sanctuary. Tell your neighbor, Friday night right here, 7 p.m. That will coincide with pre-service prayer for Friday night's youth service. So this is a good excuse to just, you're already here for pre-service prayer. You might as well hang out for youth service. Amen? Shameless plug for youth service Friday night. And then, of course, we'll be back in here Saturday evening at 7 p.m. to pray as well. And this will take the place of our normal midnight prayer that we do the first Saturday of every month. So is that clear as mud for everybody? The next two evenings we're going to pray at home. And then Friday and Saturday evening we're going to be back here at 7 o'clock to continue what the Lord is doing in this house. Amen. And uh, I am so grateful tonight again to have Pastor and First Lady Fishburn with us all the way from Huntington, Indiana. God is using them to do an incredible work in their part of the country. And uh, for those of you who do not know uh, the continuity uh, of their ministry, but this was the church that was previously pastored by evangelist John Willis. Amen. And he's no stranger to this house. And uh, Pastor and First Lady Fishburne have just taken the reins and continued to take that church to new heights, new dimensions of breakthrough and revival. And I'm telling you what, they came all the way here just to have a little time of vacation this week. And uh, I'm, I can tell you firsthand uh, that, that it's a sacrifice when, as for a pastor who is, has a busy schedule and, and, a, and a heavy demand on their life when they decide to take some time away uh, to then relinquish some of that time to pray, prepare, and, uh, and then be in the house of the Lord under that weight of ministry. And, uh, but I thank God for preachers who aren't in this thing just for themselves, but they understand that they are a tool that belongs to God. And uh, the Lord moved in such a divine and, and, and specific way Sunday. I felt so strong to ask him to come again tonight to minister to us. And we're thankful that he uh, consented to do that tonight and obey the Holy Ghost. What I want to know tonight is how many of you came with your hearts prepared and ready for the word of the Lord in this house tonight? Did you come ready? Would you stand with me one more time all across this house? I want us to put our hands together one more time and give God a great big praise. Come on, let's put our hands together. And while we're clapping our hands, can we lift our voice and give God a great praise in this house?
as Pastor Fishburn comes to deliver his heart to us again tonight. Come on, let's keep doing that tonight. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. God, you are mighty. You are worthy. You are holy. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So good to be in God's house again tonight. And uh, Thank you for being faithful to the house of God on a midweek. I am under the persuasion that we don't have throwaway church services. I'm, I'm really already preaching right now, but tapping into my notes a little bit. But we don't, there, there's not a point where we come to the house of God and we say, oh, you know what, I just... Let's just get through this and let's go home. <laughs> I just you don't have, you don't even have the excuse of suppers on the stove tonight. I got the crock pot on. I don't want it to burn. This isn't a trick question, but have you come hungry to the house of God tonight? If it's any consolation, I fasted with you today. I came hungry to the house of God, too. As a young man, I'm, and I'm not nearly as old as I look. I'm 32. I look like I'm 42. But as a young man, I remember being frustrated because I wanted more. I don't. I didn't want to just come and fill a pulpit. I wanted lives to be changed. I'm not, if you're in it for any other reason, you might as well just go get a job. I remember talking to Brother Willis about it. We were on a trip. We traveled quite a bit together when he was in Huntington. And he said, you know, you want God to move. And this is what he told me to do as a young man. He said, anytime you're asked to preach, you pray and fast for three days. Don't eat anything for three days. Don't eat before you preach. You get in that pulpit and you pray and you fast. Let me just tell you, there's something about coming to the house of God, whether you're in the pew or behind the pulpit, and you're hungry. Something begins to stir in your spirit. I'm hungry. And it's more than just my stomach grumbling. I'll tell you this. You're, you're past the roughest part of your fast. If you start it, you're past it. You're just going to, you're taking ground now. I said you're taking ground now. You're past your... You might, have, you might have fallen. You might have had a Snickers bar on the way to church tonight. I don't know. If you did, I wish you'd ate two, one for me. But get back on. You're taking ground. Now, I came hungry for a move of the Holy Ghost tonight. I came hungry for a move of the Holy Ghost. Such an, such an honor 
to be with Pastor and Sister Williams. Thank you so much for the kind hospitality to all of the cadets that have helped my wife and I. Thank you. It does not go unnoticed or unappreciated. And you're not just standing by a door. You're not just offering a helping hand. You're helping carry a load. You're being a bearer of a burden. And I appreciate it. It is good to have my wife. She's my partner in crime. The queen of my castle. I love her. And uh, I didn't know it at the time. I found out later that our church, all the way in Huntington, Indiana, which if you were to get in a car and drive would be between 17 and 18 hours away, we did not get in a car and drive. We hopped a plane and let somebody else drive. But they, with the timing and everything, they got done with church on Sunday night and they pulled up the Rock Church of Fort Myers on the screen in the sanctuary and then they stayed and had church with us. And they're at home and they had corporate prayer and uh, their pastor's crazy and tells them, hey, it started at the beginning of uh, January 2020. Uh, everybody, here's a calendar. Sign up at least one day of fasting, the first week of every month. And that's this week, so they're praying. They're fasting as you're praying and you're fasting. They had corporate prayer tonight. They're tuned in now, having church with us all the way from Indiana. CLT, I love you. I'll see you on Sunday. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 9. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 9. I am thankful for the confirmation of the Holy Ghost. I know that we get drained a little bit physically when we fast. If you're shaped the way that I am, you've got plenty of storage to draw from. So I don't get too tired after the first day or so, but I'm excited about what God is doing in Fort Myers. You are a revival church. I don't say that lightly, and I don't say that everywhere that I've been or everywhere that I will be, but you are a revival church. Hebrews chapter 10 in verse 9 says, Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God, to take away the first that he may establish the second. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. Verse 12, but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever. Somebody say forever. That doesn't mean that it 
It just lasted a 12-hour period. That didn't mean it was just an annual sacrifice, but it lasted forever. Sat down on the right hand of God, verse 13, from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. I'm going to preach with the help of the Holy Ghost tonight from verse 13, from henceforth expecting. From henceforth expecting. Let's put our Bibles down. Let's go before the Lord in prayer tonight all over this place. Close your eyes. Open your spirit. God, I love you. God, I want your will to be done in this place. I feel the help of the Holy Ghost in this place tonight. Why don't you reach your hands toward heaven? God, I pray that your will would be done in my life. I pray your will would be done in every home, in every family, in every marriage, in every relationship. In the name of Jesus, God, I believe that your word doesn't just stay within these four walls. But God, your word does not return void. I believe that it carries beyond the walls of the Rock Church, beyond this campus tonight. God, I pray that your word would reach down into the depths of the heart of Fort Myers, Florida tonight. God, I pray your word would not return void in the name of Jesus. Somebody clap your hands. Come on, that's it. Clap your hands. Somebody lift up a shout of praise tonight all over this house. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, somebody open your spirit tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Oh, I love you, Jesus. Come on, that's it. Clap your hands. Clap your hands. Oh, I love you, Jesus. Oh, you may be seated tonight. From henceforth, expecting. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 9 is a, it is a New Testament recording looking back through time. The writer of Hebrews is standing in a new covenant with the knowledge of not just that new covenant, but he's standing there in that church age, in the dispensation of grace, and he's looking back throughout the history of the people of God. And he starts by saying, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. I came to help fulfill what you are doing. He taketh away the first, or he's taking away the old covenant that he may establish. The second, I don't know about you, but when I came into the church tonight, I didn't see Pastor William standing at the back door grading cattle. I didn't see him inspecting sheep. I didn't see him inspecting bulls. I didn't see him inspecting turtle doves. I didn't see any of that. Why? Because we're not living under an old covenant any longer, but we're living under a new covenant that he may establish the second. God is in the business of establishing some things. So if you came tonight, I'm just going to pause here for a commercial break, but if you came tonight and you, you feel like, you know what, I got some victory on Sunday night, I, I busted out of some shell, but on Monday morning I felt this shell kind of start trying to 
look appealing again. Let me tell you something. I was on the phone with my dad on Monday. Actually, I was on the phone with my kids. My dad was in the room, and they had tuned in and listened on Sunday night. He said, hey, he said, I wanted to let you know that when that chick absorbs the nutrients from the yolk right before it hatches, the, those extra nutrients not only give it the strength to bust out of the shell, but then there's a, a window that, that that chick lives on, and that gives them the ability to ship brand new chicks across the country because of what it's absorbed before it breaks out. So you might have woke up on Monday morning thinking, you know what, I'm just going to have to struggle through this fast and struggle to the house of God and, and I'm just going to kind of pull the pieces of this shell back together. But that's not the way that God has designed it. God's in the business of establishing some things. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. I don't know about you, but I'm glad tonight that we don't have to come into a church that is bound by rituals, that is bound by traditions. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful tonight that I don't have to worry about the sin of my past coming and creeping back into my world and trying to drag me backward. But I'm part of something that is not a flash in a pan. I'm part of something. I'm not living under the premonition of a, a form of godliness only but denying the power thereof. I'm thankful tonight that I don't have to go through motions. I don't have to wait for the right moment in time. But this man Christ Jesus after that he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever set down in a place of absolute authority. He sat down in a place of absolute dominion. He sat down in a place with all power in heaven and in earth. He sat down with dunamis power, explosive, miraculous power, but he also sat down with exousia power. That means I've got not just the dynamic, explosive power of the Holy Ghost, but honey, I got the authority to use it as I see fit. And let me preach to you tonight that you and I are part of that body. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you from henceforth expecting. I've come to encourage somebody tonight that we've got a God in heaven who has sat down in a place of absolute authority. And verse 13 says that from henceforth he is expecting until his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Oh, the serpent thought he was 
is going to weasel his way into the garden to disrupt a plan. And by one act of sin, man would fall. But by one sacrifice from a spotless lamb, he said, I'm taking back what was mine. I'm taking back your position with God. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us for after that he had said before, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds will I write them. Let me preach to somebody that's struggling with the thoughts of your mind. The word of God tells us to cast down every imagination of the mind and every high thought that would exalt itself against the knowledge of God. Let me expound on that to you in the Fishburn transliteration tonight. That tells me that any thought that comes against who I know God to be has got to go. Any thought that comes in and says you're not worthy, it's got to go. Any thought that comes in and says you're not going to make it has got to go. Any thought that comes in and says, well, maybe God didn't really deliver me on Sunday, it's got to go. Any thought that comes in and says, I got to live broke, I got to live busted, and I got to live disgusted for the rest of it, it's got to go. That's not of God. God didn't save you to leave you where you are but he said I sat down in a place of power and from this point forward I'm expecting victory This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days. I'm going to put my laws into their hearts and in their minds will I write them and their sins and their iniquities. Somebody needs to get a hold of this verse right now. Will I remember no more? Stop beating yourself up over things that God doesn't even remember because they were put under the blood in baptism. Their sins, their iniquities will I remember no more. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. When I've been baptized in the name, can I just get apostolic tonight? When I was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, my sins were remitted as if they had never happened. I was washed, I was cleansed I was purified he made me holy because I wasn't holy I was a wretch, I was undone my righteousness was like filthy rags but he said where remission of sins are, there is no more offering for sin having therefore brethren boldness It means when I'm fasting, when I get past the hunger of my flesh, I'm about to preach here in a minute, and I get past the habit of eating. Some of y'all want to eat and you're not even hungry. I can tell you that because I've been there. 
after I get my mind off of what I'm lacking in my physical body. Sister, there ought to be a spirit that rises up on me. It says, you know what? I've been through the fire. I've been through the flood. It couldn't kill me. Being hungry for a few days ain't going to kill me either. It's time to get up from where I am and walk up into the throne room of God and say with boldness, God, I'm about to tap into your victory. I want to tap into your authority. I want to tap into the boldness. With boldness, enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way. I'm not living after the thoughts and the, the will of my flesh anymore. I'm not living under my old way, but I'm living under a new and a living way where the wages of sin were death. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord which he hath consecrated for us through the veil. That is to say his flesh. There is a new way. There's a way that doesn't just push my sins forward until the next sacrifice. There's a way that was made where there was no other way. And now I can walk in newness of life. I can be transformed by the renewing of my mind to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Did you know tonight that you are a symbol of the perfect will of God? I don't have to walk in death. I don't have to walk in depression. I don't have to be oppressed. I don't have to be suppressed. I can have life and life more abundantly. If you've been born of the water, if you've been born of the spirit, you have been given new life. It's not a lease on your old life, honey. It's a new life. I ought, I ought not to look the same that I used to look. I ought not to walk the same way that I used to walk. If you've been lied to and told that you're never going to change, let me preach to you tonight. He's sitting down in a position of power to let you know it's time for absolute dominion it's time for absolute authority it's time for an absolute walk with God it's time for absolute revival And all of that can happen by what was described in verse 12. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, forever sat down on the right hand of God. He sat down not in a second throne, not in a third throne, not in a second position of a trinity, but he sat down, the imagery tells us, in a position of absolute power. One sacrifice for sins forever. From henceforth, expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. I, you may not think the way I think, but that's the way I see it. That 
tells me, those two verses there alone tells me, uh, that one verse, verse 13 alone tells me that the victory that was experienced at Calvary was not temporary. When the offering of the evening sacrifice rolled around and the high priest was standing there before the veil ready to go through the rituals and tradition of their old covenant when the Lord was hanging on the cross and he said it is finished and that veil at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice and that veil tore from the top to the bottom it was not a temporary tear it was not a temporary reprieve but it was from that point forward God didn't design the church to have moments of victory I plead the blood over temporary victory I plead the blood over temporary revival it was not temporary it was not a flash in the pan but that victory was absolute I can see it in my overactive imagination. I can see the, the, uh, Satan and all of his demons partying and causing a ruckus and all of that and having a knock on the door. And they open the door and there is God incarnate. There he is and he walks in and the party stops and the music goes silent and all the demons and devils are shaken because isn't this the one that we thought we were going to get rid of? Oh, but Paul said, if the princes of this earth, if the princes of this world had known who he was, they would not have crucified him. But I'm here to preach to you. I know who he is. I said, I know who he is. I know who he is in Huntington, Indiana. I know who he is in Fort Myers, Florida. I know who he is in Port-au-Prince, Haiti. I know who he is at the North Pole and the South Pole. He's the God of all glory. He's the God with all power with dominion authority somebody get a revelation of it tonight he didn't design the church to have temporary victory he didn't design you to have temporary victory he didn't design your marriage to have moments of victory if he didn't design the church to have temporary victory, why would you think that your marriage is designed to only have temporary victory? Is this okay? The last time I checked, the church was the bride of Christ. The relationship between God and his church is supposed to be mirrored in the relationship between man and wife. I'm not in Huntington, so I'm raining it in right That's why the, he didn't say I had a groom of Christ. Church is the bride. And that means marriage is still between one man and one woman. I tell you to take comfort because I'm leaving, but I know you're going to hear this kind of preaching on Sunday after I'm gone, so I don't apologize. It's the word of God. If God's relationship with the church was not designed to be a moment of temporary victory, then my marriage is going to have victory every day that it exists. 
and what God has put together let no man tear asunder I don't want my relationship with my wife to dissolve and I don't want my relationship with my God to dissolve because God is not in the business of creating temporary things we're not part of the scaffolding of the kingdom of God we are the kingdom of God We are the church of the living God. And his victory at Calvary was absolute. That means it cannot be bargained away. That means it cannot be argued away. Honey, I got an experience. And your argument will never hold a candle to my experience. You've come too late to tell me this isn't real. What I'm feeling tonight is not fake. What I felt when I received the gift of the Holy Ghost, September 11th, 1994, as a five-year-old little boy, was not fake. Every moment I've been lost in the Holy Ghost was not fake. You've come too late to tell me that it was temporary, that it was just for the apostles and the first church. Honey, this is the same doctrine. This is the same message. This is the same spirit. And it was absolute then, and it's absolute now. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. That victory was absolute. That's why Jesus could say in Matthew 28 and verse 17, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Maybe you're here tonight and you've got some doubt. This is a good place to bring your doubt. When asked by Jesus, the one man said, Lord, I believe, but help thou mine unbelief. I'm not just going to walk into the house of God full of faith every time. There are going to be some moments when I'm down, but i got to keep coming to the house of God even when I'm down. Even when i got questions, it's the best place to bring my questions are to the house of God. Some doubted, and Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. God, we already read it in the Old Testament. You've read it. If you haven't read it, go research it on your own tonight after church. God is a jealous God and his glory he's not going to give to another. When the Lord Jesus stepped onto the scene in Matthew 28, as he's getting ready to give the great commission, he said, all power in heaven and in earth is given unto me. That word power is exousia. It is complete authority. Let me preach to you tonight. There is no power that exists outside the boundaries of what your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, has control of. There's no spirit of darkness that can usurp his authority. Your flesh can usurp his authority because he created you with a free will. Brother Williams, we can cast out devils, but it's hard to cast out flesh. I was texting somebody before service tonight. He said the same thing. He said, you know, we can cast out devils, but the flesh. And I responded in my own way and so, you know, you can't fix stupid, but you can numb it with a two-by-four. 
but with today's prices of lumber. So take it home with you tonight. The only thing that's going to get in the way of God's plan for your life is you. There's no devil in hell that can stand in the way. In fact, the apostle would write and said that at the end of time, there's going to be a moment where men are going to look at the shriveled, little, uh, anemic form of Satan, and they're going to look at him and say, this is the one that gave me so many problems. Let me preach to Fort Myers, Florida right now. He's sitting in a position of power, and he said, from henceforth, I am expecting victory. If we can get our flesh out of the way. Every principality is subject to him. Every power is subject to him. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. Honey, that's more than hearsay. That's more than fluff and buff. That's absolute truth. He is the king of all kings. He is the Lord of all lords. One of my favorite sayings in the word of God. It can be found in the book of Isaiah where he said, and he led captivity captive. I see him grabbing captivity by the nose ring like you're leading a bull or a steer out of the pen. And he grabs that captivity and he's parading it around saying, hey, baby, how you like me now? You thought you had me locked up in a grave? You thought, oh, you thought that bond was too big? Oh, no. Oh, no. I let captivity itself captive. Captivity knows. Captivity bondage knows what it's like to be bound because he was led by the Lord in captivity. Oh, you can go and read the Old Testament and you can look at how God moved kings and kingdoms like they were mere pieces on a chessboard. Oh, there's a famine that's coming. Let me move some things around. Joseph, I... I I don't know that it was God's will that Joseph would go through everything that he went through. But because he did go through what he went through because of other people's choices, God said, okay, Joseph, if you'll be willing to move your flesh out of the way, I can use what somebody else did to you for my glory. Let me preach to somebody that's been through hell. It may not have been God's, I, I know it wasn't God's will for you to be hurt the way that you were hurt, for you to be abused the way that you were abused. But honey, you're here tonight. You're here now. And there's a healing balm in Gilead that says, you know what? If you'll allow God to use it, he can help somebody else because of what you, he's sitting in a place of divine authority and he's saying, I'm expecting victory. I'm expecting a famine, but there's also a Pharaoh that God's going to have a, a move into position of power to have favor on a young man of God by the name of Joseph. I'm expecting a famine, but I'm also expecting victory. The chains, Joseph, the word of God, I don't have time to preach it tonight, but the word says that the chains put iron in his soul. That means that the chains that were binding him, it gave him something for the long haul. It's 
he allowed it to seep into his spirit. And not a spirit of bitterness, but a strength of iron into his spirit. And God said, I know this situation's not comfortable, but I'm sitting in a place as Alpha and Omega of divine authority. And I can use it if you'll let me use it. Acts 17, 28, for in him we live and move and have our being. As certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Uh, Paul was saying in him we live, in him we move, or it is set in motion. It's removed, it's moved, it's excited, it's stirred up. In him we live, in him we have our motion, and in him we have our being. In him the language literally means we have hope. We have hope. We have hope. We ha I know I'm repeating it, but you need to get it tonight. In him we live. In him we move. And in him we have our being. In him we have hope for a future. So when you and I are born again, we are his offspring. And therefore we can also henceforth expect. We can expect victory. I don't have to walk around, and I don't know if y'all say this in, the, in Florida, but we don't have to walk around in the mully grubs. I don't have to walk around with basset hound disease. We had a basset hound for a while. He was down in the ears. He was down in the mouth. He was down in the belly. Perpetually sad. He just hung out. He just laid around. I don't have to do that in the spirit. Maybe I'm weird, but I don't believe I just have to lay over, roll over and, and lay there and take whatever life throws at me. I don't have to just sit there and expect wave after wave after wave of spiritual attack. But the word of God said that the Lord is sitting in a place from henceforth. Webster defines the word henceforth as from this time forward or starting now from this point. Starting now as he ascended into heaven and a glorified body presented himself to the spirit he said from this point forward I wish somebody here tonight when you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost that was your henceforth when you were baptized in Jesus name and the initial salvific process was completed it was from henceforth let's get a little deeper than Webster the original language from henceforth literally means something that remains. There is finality involved in what the writer of Hebrews was saying. When he said from henceforth, he didn't just mean for this one moment. Honey, this isn't a drug that's going to get you high and then leave you high and dry. This isn't just a, a flash in a pan, feel-good feeling. 
It's not up for debate. There's finality attached to my victory. That doesn't mean I'm never going to have another bad day. But that means that in the midst of turmoil and in the midst of trouble, in the midst of abandonment, in the midst of depression and suppression and oppression and dryness, I can still experience victory. Even in the midst of temptation, from henceforth expecting, I can expect to have victory because I'm, it's not up for debate. It's going to happen because I'm part of something much bigger than myself. I'm attached to a kingdom that is eternal. I'm attached to a God who is from alpha to omega, from the beginning to the ending, saith the Lord. That which is in your present, that which was in your past, and that which is to come. It's not just for the present. It's not just to cover your past, but God's got a future. I say God's got a future for you for Myers. God's got a future for you, saint of God, because he is from henceforth expecting. To expect is to think that something will probably or certainly happen. To think that someone or something will arrive or that something will happen. The original language for the word expecting found in Hebrews means to take or receive. It means to await or expect. If some of us could get a revelation of it tonight, it's like waiting on Amazon to deliver a package and you got your cell phone out, checking the tracking number every 15 minutes. Man, I thought I signed up for Prime. It's supposed to be next day delivery. You're expecting something. The price has already been paid, Pastor. I'm just waiting on delivery. When I come into the house of God on a Tuesday night, and I've been fasting since Sunday, there's one or two options. One of two options. I can just sit Bide my time, and Lord knows my flesh wants to. <laughs> I called a three-day fast last month. The night I announced it, they started planning a potluck for the Wednesday night. The fast ended. <laughs> Honey, we got nacho bar, chips and cheese, in case so emergency. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can just sit and wait and plan on the time that I could feast in my flesh. Or I could come into the house of God like we are tonight. And if you're not, it's a good time to get on board. And we can say, you know what, honey? I'm locked in. I'm loaded. I got the weapons of my warfare. They're not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of stronghold. I came with the Holy Ghost haymaker, and I'm ready and expecting a victory. I said I'm ready and expecting. I'm checking the tracking in the word of God. Oh, wait. Today is the day of 
salvation. I can have it right now. I can have it tonight. I don't wait till the battle is over. Shout now. I don't have to wait. But from henceforth, he's expecting. James chapter 5 and verse 7 says, Be patient, therefore, brethren, under the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and have long patience for it until he receive the early and the latter rain. That tells me that the farmer has waited on the early rains. Everything was ripe for planting. He's prepared the field. He has tilled it. He has sown the seed. He has rushed oh, to plant the seed. Let me give you the farm kid version. The field was hard. The tractor needed some more weight on the front. As you can tell, in spite of knowing how to fast, I haven't missed too many meals. My dad would come to the house and he'd say, Richard, come on, I need your help. What are you doing, Dad? I'm plowing. Okay. Really, it started when I was little. And he had a little Sears and Roebuck garden tractor with a little one-row plow on it and he'd just put his arm back and it'd drop it down and then it he grew and I grew a lot he'd be going across that field and the tractor's nose would pop up he'd be doing wheelies across that field he said come on boy I need your help sister I'd go out there and climb up on the front end of that tractor I was like I was riding a bull across that field because the ground's got to be broken. Sometimes one person can't do it by themselves. Sometimes we got to put a little more weight on the front of this thing. And we got to say, hey, brother, hey, sir, I need you to climb up on board with me. I'm trying to prepare the field. I'm expecting a harvest. He's believing it's going to happen. He's believing that one of these days he's going to walk out and the shoot of the plant is going to be poking out of the dirt. And you say, preacher, I don't know my field, my seed. Let me tell you something about seeds. You can plant that seed upside down. But it can feel the heat from the sun. And so in spite of being planted upside down, in spite of it being wrong side up, in spite of falling into the furrow crossways, that seed, when it begins to feel the warmth of the sun, begins to put out a shoot. And even though it's facing the wrong direction, it turns and it begins growing the right way. I come to preach tonight to somebody that feels like your world's upside down. You can still expect victory. You don't have to wait. I said you don't have to wait. You can shout now. I said you can shout now. The impotent man laid by the pool of Bethesda for 38 years. The steps were steep. The Lord of all creation walked in and said, man, will thou be made whole? He said, I just don't know that it's possible. I've been laying here a long time. I've been in this condition a long time for 38 years. But when the angel comes down and troubles the water, 
I don't have a man to put me in. But what he didn't know is that the God who commanded the angel to come down was standing before him. I've come to preach to you tonight. The Lord of all glory is here. I said the Lord of all glory is here. You don't have to wait for the conditions to get right. The conditions are right right now. It doesn't matter what you're facing. It doesn't matter what you're going through. The Lord is sitting in heaven looking at your situation and expecting victory. We're ready to shout. I'm ready to shout. Hebrews 10, verse 13. You just hold on to your shouting shoes. We're about to let it go. He said, from henceforth, Expecting. What's that tell me? That tells me every time I'm tempted to sin, he's standing there waiting. I'm ready to have victory over this sin. I'm ready to have victory over this temptation. Okay? Till his enemies be made his footstool. The original language. Who Papa Dion? Who Papa Dion? Ready to lay a whooping on somebody who hopadion. It means literally a conquering king. The language literally indicates a conquering king with his foot on the neck of his enemy. Don't you think for one moment that God's scared of your situation? Don't you think for one moment that God's scared of your circumstance or your sin or your temptation? But he said now that the work at Calvary is over. I'm sitting in a position of power. I've got my neck on the one that's conquered. I'm getting ready to have total dominion. From henceforth, I'm expecting victory in every service. I'm expecting victory at every outreach. I'm expecting victory every day that Rock Christian Academy is in session. I can expect victory. Every time I pass an offering plate, I can expect victory. Every time I go to a family reunion, every time I enter into my prayer closet, every day of fasting for this loss, I can expect total, 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 total dominion, total authority, total power. I wonder if I got anybody in the house of God tonight that would lift your voice and say, I'm not waiting. I'm not waiting until I can see it. I'm Shouting right now. Lift up your voice. Lift up your voice. Give him praise. Somebody shout. Somebody shout.
The language. The language dates all the way back to the book of Genesis. When God stepped into the garden and he looked at Adam and Eve and he looked at the serpent and he said, and I will put enmity between your seed and her seed. You might bruise her heel, but he's going to bruise your head. That's literally what the language indicates. And so you and I are taking part tonight in a celebration of victory that goes all the way back to when Daddy ate Adam and Mama Eve sinned. We've got victory over sin. He said from henceforth, expect it. Jesus Christ was not satisfied with the victory all to himself. I'm giving it to my bride. I'm giving it to my bride. I'm giving it to my bride. Somebody put him under your feet. 